The New York Times recently reported on the high-end accessories that some people are purchasing for their houses. Now, especially popular right now are enormous aquariums. They kind of provide a, 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 a sort of underwater world for their owners. In fact, one man suspended a 700-gallon aquarium from the ceiling of his townhouse. Can you imagine that? Uh, in fact, another wanted a 7,000-square-foot aquarium. 7,000-square-foot aquarium complete with coral reef in his apartment. Now, it's not unusual for some homeowners to uh, pay up to six figures for these units. In fact, one couple paid $750,000 for such an aquarium, and they had to pay thousands a month for maintenance. Now, that's just for the aquarium and the underwater world. You've got to also add the fish. I understand a pet shark goes for about $5,000 for your little pet shark. Well, the author I was reading who was telling about this said, in our faltering world economy, perhaps you can't even afford a goldfish. Uh, Or perhaps you're saving money as wisely as you can, yet you worry about it all the time. It's going to be lost. There's a lot of fear today when it comes to finances. Wouldn't you agree? There's a lot of fear. Just keeping a job has become a challenge to many people, much less buying $5,000 pet sharks. Some are struggling just to keep their head above water and to keep food on the table. Now, I don't know where you land in all of this. I don't know what your situation is, but I know this. God knows your situation. And God has a lot to say about money. Now, I gave you a listener's guide. And if you want to dig that out of your bulletin, it looks like this. It's green. And we'll begin going through that this morning. There's some blanks there you can uh, be filling out. And I've uh, given you all the scripture uh, because I'm going to go through a lot of scripture today. And so I want you to have that. So find that. And you can also be turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Everybody got their listener guide? There's no money in the bulletin, but there is a green listener guide. Okay, so find that. And I want to tell you this now. The Bible speaks of finances over 2,000 times. The Bible speaks of finances over 2,000 times. Now, would you agree with me that if the Bible speaks of 2,000 times about money, would you agree that it's important to the Lord? Absolutely. Have you ever thought about why God made money such a necessary part of our lives in the first place? I mean, God could have invented us and created us in such a way where money were not an issue, uh, where we could just live and so forth. But we have to have money to live. Every person we have to have. It is a necessity. We have to have money. Why? Because we have to have the money to buy the necessities of life. Ron Blue believes that God gave us money for three reasons and possessions as well. Three reasons. He he believes that it serves as a tool, a test, and a testimony, an example to other people. It serves as a tool, a test, and a testimony. The Apostle Paul seems to have done very well in this process. Uh, he wrote in Philippians 4, 11 and 12, these words, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Money's a tool that God uses to help us grow. Seems the Apostle Paul learned how to grow and learn uh, how to be in those areas. But it's also a test. It's also a test. 
Luke 16, 11 and 12 says, therefore, if you have not been faithful and unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? In other words, how are you handling what God has given you? Why should God give you any more to manage if you're not managing what you already have? It's a tool. It's a test, but it's also a testimony. How do you respond to God's provision in your life, beloved? What do you say to other people? How do you respond to setbacks in your life? How do you respond in times of prospering? Are we a good testimony for the Lord Jesus or are we always complaining? When the lost hear us talking about things and possessions and money, do they hear us talking about our faithful God, our wonderful creator and savior and Lord? Or do they hear us murmuring and complaining about all the stuff we don't have and all the stuff we want? So I believe Ron Blue's right. God has given us money because it's a tool, it's a test, and it's a testimony. We know why we have it, but now here's the big question. What do we do with it? Well, in our time together today, I want to talk to you about some biblical principles for handling your money. We're trying to get focused in 2011, some key areas. We've already talked about being focused on your faith. We talked about three main things to remember. Every day we're to listen to God, we're to talk to God, we're to live for God. Very simple, very key things there. Well, today I want to give you uh, several things here as we talk about getting focused on your finances. Are you ready? You got your listener guide, you got your Bible open to Matthew chapter 6, you got your listening ears on, got a pen to write with, your heart is right and open to the Spirit of God, right? I know there's great excitement whenever the preacher preaches on money. It's just welling excitement, just feel the excitement. Are you ready? Number one, give some money. Amen. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 24. The Lord Jesus is speaking here, Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or God and money. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Now, notice what he's talking about here. Your life. What you will eat. Some of you are thinking about right now, what am I going to eat for lunch? What you will drink. Am I going to go for the water or the diet or whatever? Nor about your body, what you'll put on. Did I wear the right thing today? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? These are things we have to have to live. He says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more value than that? You ever seen a bird out in the tractor plowing the field? No. Look at verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, listen, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now notice verse 33. Here's the key I want to point out to you. But seek what? What's the next word? First. Say that together. First. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. What are all these things? We just read about them, didn't we? These necessities of life. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God wants first place in your life. 
And of course, that includes your finances. God wants first place in your finances. Now, how do we do this? It's one thing to say, all right, we want to give God first place in my finances. How do we do that? Well, notice, first of all, remember that God owns it all. Now, I've given you a lot of scripture here. So you can follow along in your listener guide. Remember, God owns it all. First Chronicles 29, 10 and 12. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. And notice this next part. For all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You exalted his head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Listen, he owns everything. Everything you see today. Everything you have today. Everything your eye can behold today. Everything belongs to God. It is his. Now I want to ask you something. Have you ever acknowledged that in your own life? Have you ever literally given it all back to him? Lord, here's my house. Here's my car. Here's my clothes. Here's all my stuff. Here's my books. Here's my, my, my whatever it is you have. And Lord, not only these things, here, here I am, Lord. Here's my body. Here's my mind and my hands and my feet and my brain. Everything I have. Lord, I give it back to you. I know it's yours, but I acknowledge your lordship, your ownership in my life. I want to tell you something. There is great peace and joy in doing that. You know why? Because it's his. He can do with what he wants. Give him your car. Give him your house. Lord, it's your car. If it breaks down, I'll look to you. It's yours. Lord, give give, give, give him your house. Give him everything. Why? It's already his. Don't worry about it. Don't fret over it. Seek first God and his kingdom. And remember that he owns it all. And not just our stuff. He owns us, Christian. Do you notice that verse I put there? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God? And you are not your own. Why? For you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. What price did Jesus pay? His precious blood. Your blood bought? You're a blood bought child of God. You belong to Him. Remember, God owns it all. So if God owns it all, we remember secondly... That we're just stewards. We're just stewards. What's a steward? Well, it's a manager. In other words, we're just managing God's possessions. This is all about stewardship. Biblical stewardship. What is biblical stewardship? I like Blue's definition. Look at the bottom of that page. I got it there for you. Listen, biblical stewardship is the use. Look at this. Of God-given gifts and resources, which include time, talent, treasure, truth, relationships, For the accomplishment of God-given goals. What's biblical stewardship? It's using God-given resources and gifts for God-given goals. That's what it is. That's what it is. We're just stewards. Our lives are a stewardship. It matters, beloved, how we spend our lives. It matters how we spend our time. It matters how we spend our money. Why? Because it's not ours. It's His. We're just stewards. Now, if we're going to do this, beloved, but it first in our finances, remember, he owns it all. Remember, we're just managers. Remember, thirdly, remember to give generously. Remember to give generously. And notice there, I put several verses for you. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the, notice what it says, the first fruits. The first fruits of all your increase. 
So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There may be food in my house and try me now in this, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. 1 Corinthians 16.12. On the first day of the week. Wait a minute. The first day of the week. What's today? First day of the week. Sunday, the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And let me ask you a pointed question. Do you tithe? Don't answer out loud. In your own heart, I want you to answer that question. Do you tithe? So preach what's a tithe. A tithe is 10%. And by the way, the tithe is the starting point when it comes to giving, not the pinnacle. Now don't get all, oh, I tithe. Boy, I, God, oh, I tithe. That's, that's the starting point, beloved. That's the starting point. We should grow in our giving. Now, do you tithe? Do you tithe? Yes, you, Christian, do you tithe? Now, listen. It appears that most professing Christians do not tithe. I want you to hear this. According to Barna, I want you to fill this on your sheet there. According to a Barna group in 2004, not that long ago, 2004, only 9% of those claiming to be born-again Christians tithed of their income. Only 9, not 90%, not even 10%. Only 9% of born-again Christians tithed of their income. You want to hear something even more startling? In the year 2000, they found that 23% of all born-again Christians gave no money at all to the church. They didn't give anything. Nothing. Zero. Now let's talk about that for a moment. Statistically speaking, beloved, that means for every ten people here today, two people are giving nothing at all. Statistically speaking, for every ten people here, so the choir, This group over here, this group here, that means two people out of ten give nothing. They always pass the plate on by. They give nothing. And for those who are giving out of that ten, only one is tithing. Only nine percent. Not even ten percent. Only nine percent. So one person. So look around today. Statistically speaking, only one person out of ten is tithing. Of their income to the Lord. Now, that's statistically speaking. I don't know whether you give or not. I don't look at it. I don't want to know. That's between you and the Lord. Our, our treasurers handle that. I don't touch that. But I know, statistically speaking, that a lot of people are not giving. And I know by looking at our records, a lot of people are not giving. Listen, we shouldn't be sitting here thinking, you know, well, can we get the building fund paid off? Uh, can we get that renovation paid off? Are we going to have enough money to pay this? We have enough money to do that? Listen, if God's people were obedient to God and gave, we wouldn't have to worry about that. We wouldn't have to be saying as a church as a whole, can we keep the missionaries on the foreign field? Can we keep the missions going? That be a concern or an issue if God's people were obedient and faithful. Now, how do you reconcile that? Living week after week after week, God gives you health and strength and the air to breathe and sunshine and the energy to go. and keeps your heart pumping, your lungs pumping. And yet week after week, people say, you know what? I'm not giving anything. I'm not giving anything. And others say, well, I'll give God a tip. I was thinking about some people 
treat their waiter or waitress better than they treat God. Because they'll say, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give 10 or 15 or 20% to that waiter or waitress. They give God little to nothing. Now, maybe you think like this. Some people say, well, I give my time. Others might say, well, I give my talent. Some might say, well, I give to other charities. You know what? That's great. And you ought to give your time and you ought to give your talent. And as you're led of the Lord, you ought to give to the charities. But first, you should give to God's work in your local church at least a tithe of your income to God. I don't apologize for saying that's God's word. That's not this preacher saying that. God teaches in his word where to give generously. God is very clear in these matters. So I ask you again, do you tithe? That's the starting point. You're to grow in your giving. Now, some things we've got to remember. We've got to remember to earn it honestly, to be totally honest in our dealings. We're going to have God first place in our lives. We've got to be honest about it. Notice several things there. We've got to earn it ethically. Earn it ethically. Proverbs 11.1. 1, Dishonest skills are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Well, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Listen, if you earn your money under the table, you're dishonoring God. If you cheat and steal and lie, you're dishonoring God. How can you expect God to bless your life and your finances? Earn it honestly. Earn it ethically. Secondly, pay your taxes. Oh, boy, that's exciting, isn't it? Pay your taxes. Scripture for that preacher? Yeah, Romans 13, 5 through 7. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to fear. Honor to whom honor. And third, treat others fairly. Matthew seven twelve. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law of the prophets. In addition to those principles, we could list everything else that we're going to talk about for the remainder of this message. And we're going to pick up the pace now. I want you to buckle up and hold on, okay? First of all, we're supposed to give some money. I put these in this order on purpose. Give some money first. Secondly, save some money. Now, some of you are getting excited now. The penny pinchers among us are getting thrilled. Proverbs 21.20, there is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. I like the way the Living Bible puts it. Proverbs 21.20, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. He spends it all. Now, the Bible's clear we should be saving some money, and one way to save is to practice the 20-80 rule. What I call the 20-80 rule. For every dollar you get, you divide it 20-80. And here's what that means. Basically, you take the first 20 cents, you give the first 10 cents to the Lord, you save the second 10 cents, and then you spend the 80 cents. The 20-80 rule. In other words, 10 cents giving, 10 cents saving, and then you live off the 80 cents out of every dollar. That's an awesome way to go. And then as you work at that, you begin trying to decrease the 80 and increase the 20. As you go along, you seek to live on less and less, and you seek to give and save more and more. That's the goal. Now listen, I know some are saying, Preacher, I can't save 10 cents out of every dollar. I'm already spending a dollar and 10 cents for every dollar I made. (laughs) If you can't save 10 cents, save something. Save a nickel. If you can't do anything, save a penny. Save something. Why? Well, you should save for several reasons. First of all, emergencies. 
You can break an arm real easy. You get a flat tire. You have a water leak. The roof blows off. I mean, all kinds of stuff happens. You just save for emergencies. Why? If you don't save, what's going to happen when that happens? You're going to go in debt. You just save for the future. Within reason, you're saving for retirement and college. And maybe you want to start a business or whatever. You want to save for the future. Hey, here's a fun one. You want to save for fun. You go on vacation. Put some money aside to go on vacation. You have some dreams of things you want to do with your life. Put a little bit of money aside for that and save and plan. And, and look, listen, start where you are. You say, I can't save a lot. Save something. Start where you are. Proverbs 21.5. Listen. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. I like the way the Living Bible puts that one as well. Steady plotting brings prosperity. Steady plotting brings prosperity. <laughs> Ripley's Believe It or Not says that Craig Dawson has an unusual habit. He keeps one eye on the ground as he jogs along. In other words, he's jogging, he's always looking down when he jogs. And it's not for balance. And it's not for shyness. The man is looking for spare change. He's jogging along looking for money. And during the past 25 years, you know how much he's found? He has found $8,100 in lost coins as he jogged along. Now think about that. $8,100 by jogging. Listen, I jog out here. Y'all need to throw some more money out. I haven't seen anything. I see trash and dead animals and stuff, but I want to see some money as I jog. But think about that. How did he get it? Did he find $8,000? No. He jogged along for 25 years. He picked up that penny. He picked up that quarter. He picked up that. And over time, he grew. And that's what savings do. They grow. Listen, save something. Let interest work for you rather than against you. Bottom line, save some money. So the easiest way to do it, listen, the easiest way to do it is make it automatic. Make it automatic. You have no excuse. We live in a day of bank drafts and automatic transfers and everything. Just say, hey, listen, every time I get paid, move this much into saving. You can set it up yourself. Have your bank set it up. But make it automatic. You won't miss it after a while. Save something. Some of you are excited about that. Say, praise the Lord. Preach it, preach it, preach it. Because you're, you know, you make George Washington scream every day as you hold on to that dollar. Give some money, save some money. Third, now some of you are really getting excited now. Spend some money. Hey, yeah, spend some money. Some of you are getting really excited. Others are getting really nervous. They're thinking, you don't know my spouse. They already do that. Before you go out and start spending, get excited about it. I want you to hear what God has to say about our spending. Okay? We should spend carefully. Why? Because we're stewards. Remember, God owns it all. It doesn't belong to us. It's not our money. It's God. God's money, but God is good, and our good God lets us take His money and use it to live. And you know what? He even lets us have some fun with it. At the pastor's conference, they are, I mean, that, that schedule at the pastor's conference is jam-packed. I'm, I'm still tired. It was a blessing, but we did have some free time one afternoon and evening, and uh, we went over, Daniel and I looked at this place, we went over and played mini-golf, and we drove go-karts. And I want to tell you something I learned about myself. <laughs> You should let your preacher on the go card. <laughs> Boy, the, I just tell you what, I got so excited. I, I used to drive go karts growing up, but man, I had so much fun. I had a boy beside me, Gideon, Gideon rode, uh, gave her the first time, Gideon the second. I'm too competitive on go kart. I'm riding by, I'm, pa- I'm in a double seat, like a minivan on a go kart. And I'm passing people going, woo! You know, I'm just having a blast. 
and, and I, I'm, I'm, and spe- I'm blowing by all these guys, and they're real cool, you know, I'm going to try. I look at them, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to beat you, that's for sure. <laughs> in fact, I lapped you, I think, didn't I, Danielle? <laughs> <laughs> so you get me off the go-karts. Listen, I did that with God's money. I did. I did it with God's money. And I had a great time doing it. God's so good to us. He not only gives us the necessities of life, He gives us such wonderful gifts of life. We, do, we need to do this. We need to cultivate contentment. Okay? We need to cultivate contentment. Let us get some scripture on that. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Listen, some of you are eat up with covetousness. You can't enjoy life. You're looking around all the time. Look at what they have. Look at what she drives. Look at what she's wearing. Look at what he has. Look at the toys he has. Listen. Let go of the covetousness. Let it be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Why? For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what command do to me. First Timothy 6, 8 and 10. And having food and clothing with these, let us, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, listen, fall into temptation and the snare to many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I've been watching this. We've been watching this show uh, on television about these guys that went out to find gold. Has anybody seen that show? What's it? I don't know what it's called. Say it again. Gold Rush. Is that what it is? And these guys spent, I think it was $250,000 and sold everything to move out here and get this gold. And they had to go, he had to go ask his sister for $25,000 more. And they, they'd taken up... I don't know, maybe six or seven thousand dollars worth of gold, and they spent two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. And I, I hope for their sake, they pray a lot on this show. I don't know if they're believers or what. Some of them, but you know, I, I kind of watch that and think, boy, does that not a picture what this verse says? They bring about sorrows and all kinds of things because they want to get rich quick. D.L. Moody said this: "Getting riches brings care. Getting riches brings care. Keeping them brings trouble. Abusing them brings guilt." And losing them brings sorrow. It's a great mistake to make so much of riches as we do. Listen, the majority of folks that I talked to this morning, a lot of people want to be rich. God says, listen, be content with such things as I've given you. Is it wrong if a person's rich? No. Many of the people in the Bible are very wealthy people. You think about Jacob and other ones, Abraham and ones. But they use their money for God's glory. I want to give you some practical helps here and we're done. And I've given you these, listed these for you and given you some scripture you can look up later. You want to know how to wisely manage your money for God's glory. You need to first of all, establish a budget. A budget is nothing more than telling your money where it's going to go. You're just living just where you just spend whatever. Listen, friend, that's not being a wise steward. A wise man counts the cost, sees what he has, and then prays about what God would have him do. Second, and I think this is one of the most important things I can tell you today, settle on a standard of living. Go to God, pray to him and say, God, where do you want our family to live? The reason some people get in trouble is because they always have higher and higher expectations and standards. They say, well, I'm OK with this house now, but I can't wait to get in this house. And I get in this. I can't wait to get in this house. Listen. Settle on the standard of living. God is blessing you and prospering you, not so you can just keep getting higher and higher and higher and higher. God wants you to honor him in his in, in your management of the finances. You want to be a wise steward. So many Christians are so strapped financially, they're not free to serve God. 
They're not free to go on a mission trip. They're not free. They, they can't afford to go on a mission trip. They're not free to be able to give generously. Because why? They've strapped themselves with so much stuff. And so many bills and so many things. Go to God and say, God, where do you want our family to, to be? Where does this standard of living? So this is it. And as God prospers me, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to give to him and his work. Sad to say, a lot of people keep their standard of living going up and up and up. But the problem is their debt levels also go up and up and up. It's not keeping up. Settle on a standard of living. Pray about that. C, avoid debt as much as possible. Avoid debt as much as possible. If you can't handle it, get rid of the credit cards. Get rid of the debt uh, inducing things in your life. Listen, if it's four easy payments, they're not so easy. I've learned this. There are two things that are easy to get into and hard to get out of. Debt and fat are real easy to get into. They are, but they're hard to get out of. Avoid them. We'll talk about fat in another message. D, forget the Joneses. They're more in debt than you are. Try, quit trying to keep up and, 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 you know, their grass is greener, but their water bill is higher. Forget the Joneses. E, get godly counsel. Now, I'm preaching very broadly today, and we're putting all this in one message. But on the back of that sheet, I have listed for you, and I put up on our website resources for you. If you go to our website and click on the right-hand side there, where it says focus on your finances, I put left-hand menu, that's actually the right-hand menu. Uh, you click there, I've got links to, to sites and places that can help you. And I encourage you to take part of those and take uh, advantage of those. So on the right-hand side on the website. And then, yeah, here's something I want you to hear. Don't get discouraged and don't give up. It's very easy for you to leave this place today and say, listen, I'm going to honor God by faith. I'm going to try to, to do with God being my helper. I'm going to honor him. And then next thing you know, you get hit with a big bill. Don't give up. Don't grow discouraged. It's a growing process. I understand a local charity had never received a donation from the town's most successful lawyer. And so the director called this lawyer to try to get a contribution. Our records show you make $500,000 a year, yet you've never given a penny to charity, the director began. Wouldn't you like to help out the community? The lawyer replied, did, you research, did your research show that my mother is ill with medical bills several times her annual income? Um, no, mumbled the director. Or that my brother is blind and unemployed? The stricken director began to stammer out an apology. Or that my sister's husband died in an accident, said the lawyer, his voice raising in indignation, leaving her penniless with three kids? By this time, the director was humiliated and said, I had no idea. So said the lawyer. If I don't give any money to them, why should I give any money to you? <laughs> now, what about you? Are you giving God first place in your finances? Don't look around for the wealthy lawyers and doctors and wealthy people. I want you to look at yourself today. I want you to look at your checkbook register. I want you to look at your bank statements. Look at your receipts and your statements and the bills that are coming into your life. Do you see a picture of contentment? Do you see a picture of contentment? Do you see a picture of wise stewardship? Do you see things that are one day going to receive? Well done, thou faithful servant, being said to you. What changes need to take place beginning today?
So many people want to give the Lord access to every area, it seems, but this area. I saw a cartoon one time, a man getting baptized, and he had his hand up in that wallet outside the water. <laughs> he wouldn't let that go under. There seems to be a nerve attached somewhere that runs to the heart from that pocketbook, doesn't it? Listen, give the Holy Spirit full access to your life, including your finances. Will you focus on your finances to the glory of God? Here's how you do it. We talked about today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And as we close this service today, I wonder, listen, the first thing to be focused on is where you're going to spend eternity. And I've talked to some people and I've been talking to Christians today. And many of these things are so practical. They go even to unbelievers, but to Christians. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, that's the first thing you need to be concerned about. Jesus died for you. He purchased your pardon upon Calvary. If you'll confess your sin, repent and cry to him, he'll save you. If you're here today, I want to invite you the moment we stand and sing that closing hymn for you to walk the aisle and take my hand. I want to put you with someone who will take a Bible and share with you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Christian, I want to ask you something today. Will you be obedient to the Holy Spirit? Does God have first place in your finances? Some of you are not tithing. You're disobeying God. Will you repent of that? Will you give God first place in that area beginning today? Some of you need to write a check before you leave this church. You say, preacher, you just want my money. No, I don't. I want your obedience for the Lord's glory. That's what I want for you. I want God's blessing on your life. Some of you are making bad choices financially. Your life has become consumed with stuff and the pursuit of stuff rather than the glory of Christ. What needs to go in your life? Some of you, God has blessed in an awesome way, and God wants you to use His blessings for His glory. What is God saying to you? Is your checkbook and pocketbook open to Him? One man illustrated one time this way one time, we'd have an open hand. See, an open hand allows God to put in and God to take out. When you close that fist, you really close out God's blessing in your life. Is your hand open to God today? The Lord gives, the Lord can take away, the Lord can do whatever He wants because I'm His, this is His. Is your hand open for God today? As God the Holy Spirit deals with your heart, I want to invite you to come in just a moment and sing and do business with God. Father, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you personally for your faithfulness in my life. Lord, I thank you for so many who are faithful givers, who love you here. Lord, all of us, I'm sure, can improve in some areas. But, Lord, some are just resisting your spirit's working in this area. I pray for you to break through. Show them the great blessing and freedom that comes with putting Christ first in their finances. I pray, Lord, my heart is burdened. If somebody's here today and is lost, while we've not necessarily preached a gospel message today, Lord, we extend the gospel, as always, crying out to you for your Holy Spirit to bring that person to Christ. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the privilege of being your stewards. Help us to be wise and faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.